comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. It's the podcast that eats like a meal. Everyone and welcome to episode five thirteen of a half hour wasted. This is Happy Super Bowl, guys! Happy Super Bowl! This is Brad for those of you tuning in for the first time. This is Frank for those of you tuning in for the first time. Can I? This is my theme music. My name is Bill, and I'm happy to make your acquaintance. Great. But for those who are, you know, let, 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 let's make this the jump on episode. That like, was such if, a surprise. <laughs> well, we start, so are we starting volume three already? No, no, we're still no? in volume, okay. volume two. Everybody's, uh, each episode of Half Hour Wasted is somebody's first episode of Half Hour Wasted. If only that were true, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian chapters 11 and 12 today which oh. is episodes three and four of season two um yes it is uh super bowl sunday and we'll we'll talk about a little bit about that later after we talk about the main topic oh let me start the clock sorry guys that's all right and that's my uh, one job and i forgot let's do that start. let's mention uh your one year anniversary Frank? Oh, yeah. Uh, guys, so it's been one year since I moved into my house. Yeah, Prior to this, I was living one in a way since one you year moved to the house. One year. Try and find that darn mouse. There you go. It is, it is hard to believe that, uh, that in that one year, uh, uh, I have spent so much time in this place because of COVID. Oh, I, I really... Uh, <laughs> You know, when I moved in, I I was thinking to myself, well, it'll probably take me about three months to really get settled in. And then, you know, two weeks later, we get the word that, hey, stay home. And within two months, I was I was like uh, or in a month, I had everything put away and set up and stuff. Uh, But I just finally and you guys can see it on Skype. I finally set up what is essentially the extra room that's now my office. So I now have my desk and stuff. It took me a year to do this. Um, prior to this, I was working on my, uh, dining room table or my couch with my, uh, uh with my laptop, but, uh, you have, uh, now having a proper desk and, and, um, have, uh, a proper room where I work. It's great. Is, do you have a tush imprint in your couch from where you've been sitting <laughs> for a year? Yeah, pretty much. And I don't know if you can see it, but can you see NASA down there? She's Hello, sleeping. NASA. Yep. NASA the dog. She's sleeping down there. You know, yeah. what? my my dog's about fourteen years old, so I guarantee you she's sleeping somewhere. 
it's hard to believe it's almost been a year since the whole quarantine thing started. You know, I never yeah. mentioned it, but being stuck in my tiny closet I live in for 45 days without ever leaving, uh, I I got to the point where I was naming my walls. Like, I gave them names. Like, oh, no. I'd wake up in the morning and go, hey, Jerry. <laughs> What's up, Sam? Looking good today, Larry. I'd talk to my Wonder Woman action figure or my Hulk statue. You know, it just got to be really sad during those 45 days, but I never did name the ceiling, though. Maybe I'll call him Angel. Oh, that's nice. That's good. You can name him Warren. You know what I did, though, and I'll angle my... I'll angle my... Oh. I I installed some outdoor patio lights. Dude, I've got those exact lights on my patio. Well, they're inside on on my ceiling in my... I have an outside. That's actually really good. Those little LED bad boys? Yeah. In fact, when I get up in the morning, yeah. I'll say the lady's computer name. Turn on the ceiling uh-huh. and it'll go ping. Yeah, <laughs> pretty neat. That's hilarious. All right. Let's get started with uh, Mandalorian. But I wanted to tell funny stories about my my patio lights. Yeah. No, I'm just we'll, kidding. We'll, uh, we'll start. Our, it actually wasn't that funny. We'll start a different podcast. <laughs> Those okay. lights. <laughs> let, me set the, uh, let me set the mood here. So everybody, uh, if uh, there you go, there you go. All right, chapter eleven, the heiress, directed mighty awesomely by Bryce Dallas Howard, in my opinion, written by John Favreau. At Trask, the Frog Lady reunites with her husband, and they direct the Mandalorian to a local inn where he can find information on other Mandalorians. A fisherman offers to take the Mandalorian to the others. But on board the fishing ship, he is ambushed by fishermen who want to sell his armor. The Mandalorian and the child are rescued by three Mandalorians, led by Bo-Katan. She enlists his help in seizing weapons from an Imperial freighter in exchange for information on the Jedi. After boarding the freighter, Bo-Katan reveals that their main objective is to capture the ship along with the weapons for the war effort to conquer Mandalore. The Imperial captain is instructed by Moff Gideon to crash the ship but his efforts are stopped by Bo-Katan, who questions the captain about the Darksaber. He kills himself. Bo-Katan... Yeah, that was kind of neat. He kills himself. Bo-Katan directs the Mandalorian to meet the Jedi Ahsoka Tano in the city of Caladan on the forest planet of Corvus. With the Razor Crest partially repaired, the Mandalorian and the child continue on their journey. I'm just going to jump right to the end. When he gets his repaired ship back from the... from the... uh, Mon Calamari... It's got all those like ropes and things inside. Yeah, uh, I never quite understood that, but it kind of gave it a nautical feel, like they're you Long know calamari. Yeah. Well, the uh, the the fishing nets were uh, yeah, were yeah. in place too, and apparently serving no purpose. One was kind of draped over his chair, and yeah. the the other he had to kind of brush past uh, to get where he was uh, get where he was wanting to go. I like the very last shot right before he zips into hyperspace. As he does, oh, one little piece of metal falls off and you can kind of see it <laughs> yeah. spinning through the space. That's pretty neat. That was pretty I, cool. You know, I was thinking that those um, that those that netting and stuff was, was part of the Mon Calamari technology but uh, I guess it's just maybe this guy wasn't a good mechanic. That, that guy's voice freaked me out too. He goes, I can fix it. I'll fuel it up. That's the best you can do for a thousand credits. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this episode, I really, um, I really like. There's a lot of Mandalorian 
action, which was pretty awesome. We get to meet Bo-Katan, who, you know, we first got to meet in the Clone Wars animated series. Um, voiced by the same, or portrayed physically by the same actress that voiced it on the show, too, Katie Sackhoff. That's a, uh, that makes me really happy yeah. because, uh, you know, the uh, the animated version of her and the real version, I mean, they, they do have similarities. So I guess it just kind of worked out that they that they did happen to to have a passing resemblance to each other. Um, and I thought that was a nice touch. And she's a good actress, too. That's the yeah. first time I'd ever seen her. So, yeah. Um, Wait a minute. First time you'd ever seen Katie Sackhoff? Uh, Bo-Katan? Um, so I don't know that actress. So yeah. Uh, well, uh, I mean, well, she was in she was in uh, Galactica. She was one of the primaries uh, on Battlestar Galactica, Starbuck, right? Oh, yeah. I did yeah, not recognize that. Thank that's you. Starbuck. Because I was just it was just kind of blowing. It's like surely you've seen a Battlestar Galactica episode. She was I'm also sorry, in, I'm not here to. I'm not, I'm not trying to kick you. You know, where the sun don't shine or anything. She was right, also right, in the right. third Riddick movie know. titled Riddick. I mean, come on. Yes. Who hasn't seen well, Riddick? Well, it's the. Uh, I'm doing this off my off my head, but I'm pretty sure she was a. Uh, she was uh, in 24 also. In, in a show called uh, Longmire. Yes, you're correct. I've, I've heard I've heard things about Longmire. Um, I've actually seen her in a, in, a, in a in a brief moment, but I've never gave that show the time it deserved. She was on uh, I, 24 as well for a season or two. Huh. I don't remember her on 24, and I was a 24 P1, so. I. Don't know. I uh... Yeah, you know, I enjoyed uh, Battlestar so much. Uh, but for her, you know, I, this shows you how much I know. Uh, after she left it, I never thought about that actress again. I thought for, I thought maybe her career had just kind of ended. This music, the, uh, this music is kind of sonically, volume-wise, up and down. It's hard to ride the volume sometimes. Um Need to uh, click that uh, AGC button, yo. I'm scanning through the episode as we look right now. I mean, as we're talking, I've got it on my TV up here. I'm scanning through. So we meet mm-hmm. Bo-Katan and two additional Mandalorians. And he's talking to him, and they, they all three take their helmet off, and he freaks out. <laughs> Where'd you get the armor? <laughs> oh, you're one of those. Child uh, of the Watch. I love that line because it it puts to rest all the issues that we've had about the helmet, about taking it on and off. I mean, just that simple line just, oh, you're one of those guys who never takes it off. Right. Well, it's amazing how every turn um, uh, the the showrunners have managed to take care of canon issues with just – Occam's razor is all over the place. It's just, it's a, an easy answer. It makes sense. It's not overly convoluted. You know, it doesn't require kyber crystals or, you know, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's just like, wow. Okay. So he's just part of a different sect of Mandalorians. That uh, makes sense. Okay. We yeah. can handle that. Yeah. And boom, done. It's just, it, it's everything they do is, is so elegant and they just make it seem effortless. Um, yes. It's really cool. He drops, oh, that's the part where, okay. I was going to say, he just I, drops the, the child off with the frog lady and her husband. I I had seen comments uh, online about, how, like, like why would the uh, frog lady take the, the child in at this point? <laughs> because, uh, you know, the child had eaten so many of the uh, She doesn't eggs. know. 
Oh, she okay. My understanding well, is that she, she suspected. That's why she had to have suspected because that's why she was literally cradling, you know, the uh, the the egg basket in her arms while she slept. Yeah, maybe so. so and then, yeah, no, I'm. I, I think we've we've got plenty of clues that she suspected. As you soon know, as he, if she didn't flat out know, she definitely uh, thought he was suspicious. As soon as Mando leaves the apartment, uh, Grogu is sitting on which we don't know his name yet. By the way, he's sitting on yeah, the frog lady's lap, Taylor. and she's he's looking closely at the eggs, and one of them <laughs> hatches right in front of him, and he gets a smile on his face, like, "Oh, that's so cute." But I wonder if he feels guilty about eating. You know these things. Yeah. No, I think he's trying to decide if he can uh, <laughs> if he can get into that uh, get in that delicious uh, food filled aquarium or not. <laughs> he wants sushi for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> when the Mandalorians arrive on that transport that's leaving the planet, you know that they're trying to steal. Yeah. There's just so much great action. This is such a great action sequence. You know, as they're making their way through the ship towards the the place they eventually get trapped i thought the action was really well choreographed here really well directed hats off to bryce dallas howard yeah, yeah she I'm- is a uh, uh it it's always a, kind of a surprise to, to think of her as a director and not an actress but uh i mean she has the chops for it so uh if she's never done um a movie or anything big you know i, I just look forward to seeing her style because she is uh, she's definitely um, developed and stuff past past being an actress and uh, becoming a director. Uh, well, she was honestly the best single thing about Spider-Man Three, and um, I am wondering if uh, she has. I mean, she's she's got to have uh, some kind of a decent uh, background in directing. She's certainly got the pedigree for it. Yeah, I don't know about that comment about Spider-Man Three. Bill, because if you go back and listen to the episode, Frank and I, we we gave glowing reviews about Spider-Man Three back in the day. Um, this was what the people needed. Yes. Did y'all recognize the commander of the ship that was trying to to leave? The one that eventually shot the two pilots and tried to crash the ship into the ground. Did y'all recognize yes. him? He and fun has fact, the, that guy that guy faced. Well. He's uh, uh, for those of you who didn't put the pieces together. He's a heck of a piano player. I don't know what that reference is supposed to make me. So, it's peanut, it's peanuts reference. So, Charles Schultz's Peanuts is a character named Linus, who's is a really accomplished piano player and the actor. You know, the the actor's name is, name is uh, Linus. The uh, actor's name is Titus Welliver. Titus. Oh, okay. Well, in that case. <laughs> Uh, edit the last 30 seconds out. There you go. Okay, all right. Well, Titus problem solved. See again, there's an elegant solution to a real problem. He was on the he was on the greatest hit uh, TV show in the history of TV shows. Bosch oh, on Lost. That's he was right. the uh, the man in black on Lost. Oh, I thought you were referring to Bosch, which I've actually never seen. No. Was he on Bosch? Yes, he's oh. the title character in Bosch. Interesting. Whatever that is. Bosch reminds me of, I saw an email today from Hulu, and they had a listing of all the great shows you can watch, and one of them was MASH. That's how Bosch got me to MASH. But uh, how can you not, why do you need Hulu to see MASH? It's on all the time. You don't even have to try. It's just like, (laughs) 
It's just like Law and Order. Just change it. Change the channel. It will come up. Did you just say Bosch got you into MASH? No, well, but what I meant was word-wise, not uh, show-wise. Oh, gotcha. I was like, you've never heard of MASH until you watched Bosch. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't quite understand what was going on there. It's a universe. The Bosch universe and the MASH universe. Right. I'm going to guess the MASH universe is uh, a lot funnier. At least for the first uh, five or six seasons. Yeah, uh, back when they had the laugh track. Back when it was good. Yes. My uh, uh, my dad's dad, uh, my granddad, uh, always used to complain that uh, uh, MASH was great until they let um, Alan Alda become Super Doc. And he became executive producer, and then he said, just stop being funny. Yeah. The granddad was a smart granddad. He uh, may have been onto something. As good In any as- case, I'm... I'm not going to tell an, uh, an Air Force colonel who uh, flew refueling bombers in World War II that he was wrong about something. He's done more with his life than I did. As good as this episode is, theres I don't think there's a whole lot, like, story-wise. I mean, he gets help from the Mandos. They go take the ship. We see the man in black. And then she says, oh, we're, we don't want just the weapons. We're taking the whole ship. Yeah. And he's like... That's not part of the deal. And she says, he says, you're changing the terms of the deal. And she says, this is the way. <laughs> like, it's almost like she kind of threw his his motto back at him in his face, you know? She, but, uh, you know, they're going back to more of the begin uh, towards the beginning of the show when uh, when Mando gets thrown in that cage with Baby Yoda with the uh, to, when they drown uh, or they're trying to drown Mando. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part to me really resonated. It was like it scared me. I really thought for a moment that he was going to drown. But uh, when Baby Yoda End of instinctively <laughs> closes uh, closes his crib when yeah. the monster eats him, I thought that was such a great scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he's a smart kid. You know, I guess he was using the force and went, "Uh oh," and uh, you know, protected himself in his in his shell. But. Yeah. I got yeah I got uh, I got a little scared for Mando the uh, I'll call it the drowning scene the almost drowning scene yeah I'm just I'm looking at it right now he does Yoda uh, Grogu act does actually reach over and hit that button and shit yeah. and that monster is pretty awesome looking yeah it's kind of amazing um, the amount of fan service that Favreau and Filoni uh, feed the audience but still again just just fit it into the whole the whole picture so elegantly you know because clearly that's a callback to Boba Fett getting eaten you know and obviously uh, it's just it's just really uh, cool the way they they do it so effortlessly there's a lot of images throughout this whole season that definitely make me think of things we've seen in the movie in the movies proper you know what I mean yeah (laughs) for sure let me ask you this so the Mandalorian gets trapped in the thing and he's acting like he's drowned and the water's coming up. And they finally rescue him. They pull him out. He's like, oh, thanks. Ugh. And it sounds like he's choking on water. And then the girl Mando dives in to get the baby. And she comes out and she's totally fine. Like, did she seal her helmet before she went in and he didn't get a chance to seal his helmet? I know this is a oh. dumb nitpick, but. Well, know. you know what? Uh, uh, her I, helmet, I don't think it's it, dumb it, her, to pick at her, all. 
Yeah, her her helmet uh, in in my head canon uh, has different technology, and part of that is they knew they're on a water planet, so she was wearing an aerator. She's something to breathe with. She had a chance to level up to get that that upgraded helmet, and he hadn't had a chance yeah. yet. Right, right. <laughs> and something that Bill said last time we talked about it about his his armor, you know, magically luring all the blaster bolts towards it instead of the <laughs> instead of the um you know soft spots in between the armor pieces really comes into play not so much in this episode but uh in the one where Boba Fett appears eventually um so it I don't know why I thought of it just now but yeah I ever since Bill mentioned that I've just been watching when he gets hit by blasters with his armor and I you know it's it's pretty obvious now that they're just doing it to, to say, look how strong this armor is. Yeah. Well, again, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful comic book uh, brought to life and and we should all just, uh, we should all just enjoy the ride. Yeah. I've seen pictures of Bo-Katan's helmet side by side with the uh, Clone Wars version of the helmet. And it's, it's not exact, obviously, but it's really faithfully recreated, you know, with the designs and, and the color scheme and all that stuff. Same with Ahsoka Tano's uh, face uh, tattoos, her white stripes oh, yeah. on her right. face. Yeah. It's, um, but even I've seen side-by-side comparisons of different seasons of the Clone Wars and Ahsoka's tattoos, you know, they change and fluctuate. The basic uh, structure is still there, but, you know, it's they're just different. Uh, slightly different from season to season, but I suppose that's you know inevitable. And would you and uh, uh, again nitpick are those tattoos or are there those face markings? They're probably face markings. I mean, yeah. I, I just call them tattoos because I yeah <clears throat> I don't know what else to call them. Yeah, <laughs> I call them that because I my understanding is that Darth Maul's face markings were tattoos and not. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, he chose to go red and black. I mean, there. I'm sure there's some Star Wars fanatic out there that knows exactly if they're tattoos or not. But I'm not at that level. Even though I consider myself a fan, wouldn't I? Wouldn't. That's a good question. Do y'all consider yourselves fans or fanatics? And I know "fan" is a short uh, abbreviation for fanatic, but I think I think they're different. So right for for you, Brad, to compare you and me. And uh, and Bill, like I would, I would put you higher because you seem to read all the books uh, uh, that are uh, that are in Star Wars. I read a few of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they have to catch my eye and have to be in the right mood. And Bill, I don't know if you read any of the any of the extended stuff. Uh, I do. Um, I do read some of the Marvel comic books thanks to my Marvel Unlimited subscription. Um, I, I would consider myself. That's a great question. Um, I, I think I would probably have to consider myself a fan more than a fanatic um, because I, I don't give you know just a, a lifetime pass to anything with the Star Wars logo on it. And but um, but my my love of Star Wars you know goes back to 1977, like like you guys. So um, I I do consider myself a um, uh, I, I do consider myself in the the inner circle. You know, maybe we uh, should add a third level in there 
in between fan and fanatic and call it super fan? Well, I think I, um, I think I would be a uh, I'm a uh, uh, what you would call in the uh, radio industry. I am a uh, P1. I am a uh, day one P1, which means I was there at the start and I've never, ever given it up, um, even if I don't go out of my way to search down everything. Um, You're you an know, OG I read, fan. Uh, I am. I, that's OK. There you go. I'm an OG fan. That's exact. Thank you, Brad. <sighs> nice that was we're all OG right there. fans that yeah. yes yeah, so but we're all OG fans uh one or two of you maybe uh fanatics as well I don't know um but uh I'm I haven't read a Star Wars novel uh that wasn't written by Timothy Zahn in probably 20 years now um uh I do enjoy the comic books but I don't get to them uh all the time I'm not reading the entire line of Marvel uh comics Although I have uh, gone back and caught up on stuff like Dr. Afra and just, you know, cool little you know, kind of one-offs like that. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy it very much. Uh, uh, you will you will have to... Um, uh, you want to keep me from watching The Mandalorian, you'll have to pry the remote out of my cold, dead fingers. Um, but... You know, I I don't give a pass to the sequel trilogy, and and yeah, I'm bad. I've I've seen some, but uh, but certainly not even the majority of Clone Wars episodes. I have seen like two Rebels episodes ever. So, um, you know, there's actually points here where you guys are talking about uh, um, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano and stuff, where I'm I'm certainly aware of who they are, and and yeah, you know, I've probably read as many, you know, geek articles and my lunch break as you know anyone about these characters, but. I haven't kind of lived through their, their uh, you know, their personal journeys uh, in those two cartoon properties. Uh, even though Buddy Mike, uh, uh, he exhorts me uh, uh, frequently to um, get those onto my watch list. Well, there are it, it, websites oh, and there are YouTube videos yeah. that that boil down Ahsoka's story and you know, yeah, Bo-Katan and, and, and I think that. I'm. I think I'm pretty aware of it. I mean, I have um, uh, I have some rough idea of her arc and this and that. Uh, I, I would consider myself uh, familiar with the character. Uh, I've always thought she was cool as heck. Um, you know, a big fan of girl power. You know, go girls. Yeah. Uh, if you ever get an opportunity, Bill uh, yeah. and Brad, uh, a couple of years ago, I went back and I read the original Marvel Star Wars run of the comic book nice. where uh where it's not in canon and so they they change stories and and or, or they use the information that they have which isn't all developed just yet to tell the star wars story and there's a definite end to it but i would recommend reading that it is so much fun and uh it, it's i i kind of feel like the marvel guys were struggling to kind of like try to fit in the universe, but they weren't given all the information. So they kind of just had to make it work. And they had severe um, restrictions on what they stories they could tell. Correct. Uh, like around issue, maybe it's 20 or 30 around there. They, uh, they introduced Jabba the Hutt, which is actually a guy who kind of looks like a walrus, but that's Jabba the Hutt. And he's only in one issue. But it's kind of neat because they introduce him, but they don't know what he looks like. They don't have a lot of information. So they're just kind of doing their own thing. Do you all have anything else to say about episode three here? No, let's move on. We find out 
you know, I think the main thing is that we, we learn about Bo-Katan and we, we find out, um, you know, that she's trying to take, uh, retake Mandalore and, and seat somebody proper in the throne. And so this brings up this and, and another episode later in the season brings up a, a continuity issue as far as the dark saber is concerned. But when we get to that, uh, episode we'll talk about it mm-hmm. okay so moving on to episode four let me find my wiki page here i'm gonna kill the music oh man chapter 12 the siege oh. directed by apollo creed himself carl weathers <laughs> written by john favreau the Razor Crest requires further repairs before it can reach Corvus. So the Mandalorian and the child take a detour to Navarro, where they are reunited with their allies, Cara Dune and Grief Karga. While the Razor Crest is being repaired, the Mandalorian is shown how much things have improved on Navarro since he was last there, under the stewardship of Karga as magistrate and Dune as marshal. The last challenge they are uh, facing is a remaining Imperial base on the planet, and the Mandalorian agrees to help them destroy it. They discover the base is being used as a laboratory by Dr. Pershing to conduct, to conduct experiments with the child's blood, which has a high M count. They destroy the base and escape pursued by stormtroopers on speeder bikes and TIE fighters. Dune and Karga manage to stop the speeder bikes while the Mandalorian destroys the TIE fighters with the repaired Razor Crest. The Mandalorian and the child leave for Corvus, unaware that an Imperial spy has planted a tracker on the Razor Crest for Moff Gideon. The M count Figures. Mandalorians, uh, Mandalorians, midi chlorians rear their ugly head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just when we They're thought back. it was safe to go back in the water, somebody brings up friggin' midi chlorians. Oh, one of the one of the regrets from the uh, um, from the from the uh, trill from the prequels. Well, I mean, you know, it kind of the midi chlorians they they kind of gave explanation to something that didn't need explanation that's my opinion you know yes and i don't think nobody nobody wanted an explanation no, part of the this is a, a world where magic exists part in of the, the force. yeah exactly part of the fun the mis- the mysteriousness about the force was that part of the appeal about the force was that it was mysterious we didn't know how it worked it was magic and now we find out it all depends on how many many Midi chlorians, whatever those are, live inside you. It's just, anyways. I think the problem is that the payoff was so underwhelming because you know it's always the goal of a viewer to solve these mysteries. You know, well, what is the force, and, and you know, is it merely an energy field? Is it uh, you know, is this, this supposed to be the manifestation of Gaia? You know, or some kind of yeah you know, grand intelligence governing the cosmos or something. And then you find out that it's basically bacteria and you, you kind of go womp womp. Um, again, this is, this is the, uh, this is the exact opposite of what I've been harping on with, uh, Favreau and, uh, Filoni and company is that they're not necessarily retconning, but they're, they're tying together of, different bits of star wars lore is so elegant and so effortless and you know 
you get something like midichlorians and it just like it just feels like the storytellers are bending over so far backwards they're 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 straining their own backs to give you an explanation for something that you hadn't asked yet for an explanation for you know it's just it's um the storytellers especially you know lucas certainly you know lucas gets the lifetime pass um but it is interesting that uh no one at that point in the star wars movie universe um or no one uh, from that point forward apparently had the wherewithal to go to george and say do you really need to do this is this really a good idea well um, i think it's i think it's fairly well established that there were very few um uh, there were very few checks and balances on george lucas during the prequel trilogy right and boy, you want to talk about steering off into the ditch, but uh, but yeah, I'll bring it back in. Having said okay. that, having said that about the midichlorians, <laughs> Favreau and Filoni take something, quote unquote, a little a bit mediocre, and give it meat. They give it purpose. This explains why Moff Gideon is and the Empire have such a thing for getting this child. You know that yeah that um, that makes the story move forward and gives yeah. you a, a story beat that now you understand and now it makes sense. That plus the 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 scene where they stumble across these clones that they're that they're producing. <laughs> and did you did you when looking at those clones that were in that facility, did you happen to see uh, any resemblance to um um no, I looked I, Snoke Snoke, thank I you. looked hard, and I don't see any resemblance. The, maybe the vaguest, I'm looking at it right now, maybe the vaguest resemblance, but it that could have been the Ripley clone from Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Oh, my. Because <laughs> they tried eight times to make her. It, it was just, it vaguely, it's dark and shaded, and the only light source is coming from above, and it, it darkens the face, and anyway... So it does add some mystery. I hope they follow up on this clone thing. Now that the child's gone, I hope they follow up on the clone thing. It 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 also brings um, a little bit of validation to uh, the last Star Wars movie too. Um, just just a little bit in that you know it doesn't. When I saw that movie, uh, the whole cloning of the Empire felt like it came out of left field. Uh, but this kind of establishes that they've been working on it for a while well see uh okay i'm not even going to say that because it'll veer us off into the discussion about the last movie and i don't want to do that so anyway let's go back to this episode this episode starts with one of my most favorite scenes in the in entirety of season two which is Baby Yoda in the tiniest little nook and cranny that the Mandalorian can't get in, and he's trying to yes. switch the red wire for the blue wire and explain that. Take the blue wire and put it where the red wire was, and don't touch them together. And then he touches them together. It reminds me of Baby Groot, right? Right, okay. right, yeah. Don't don't push this button. So what does he do? He, you know, I am Groot. So that was the cutest little thing trying to. He's, he just looks adorable trying to move those wires around. Huh? Huh? He's always got this little... How does little, Baby Yoda get out of there? Remind he me must, how Baby Yoda... They just cut from that okay. scene to um, to them sitting together and drinking 
soup or something. Oh, that's and he right. lifts his helmet yeah. up and he takes a sip and puts it back down. And but I love that scene because the child is just the cutest thing ever. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the child's probably cuter than both of my kids were when they were when they were toddlers. Oh my god! And I love my kids, and they were the cutest thing ever. But. <clears throat> I know Ashley listens to these episodes, so I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, Ashley, but you got to admit, Baby Yoda is pretty cute. It's pretty cute. Someone, well, had, just, uh, someone had pointed out that Yoda actually has a little heart between his eyes, ab- above his eyes, if you look at it. Grogu, the little uh, baby? Or Grogu, yeah. Hmm. I'll have to, whenever, when I see a, a <laughs> close-up of his face, I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it cuts to the two of them sitting there having a snack, and I, um, I kind of wish uh, Groku had his hair had been kind of maybe smoking a little bit, like the top of his head. Yeah, like yeah, he was yeah. Still recovering <laughs> yeah, that would have been from- funny. <laughs> that would have been funny, or maybe some some smoke coming out of his his <laughs> robe or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then we cut to the planet, and we see these yeah. walrus-looking dudes. Going through yeah, so what looks like the armorer's old place, right? Is that oh, is that yeah, where the armorer yeah. was? Yeah, I think that is. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that I think that's where um, because they're they're back on the uh, on uh, black on yeah. yeah, and then the marshal comes in. She's awesome. She scares me. Like I wouldn't want to get on her bad side. <laughs> no. Right. But that that little um, that little bitty rebel insignia tattoo on her cheek, it just kind of softens her a little bit. And when she smiles, I'll be honest, my heart kind of melts a little bit <laughs> when the marshal smiles, especially when she finds out that the empire uh, ends up kidnapping the child in a later episode that we'll talk about next week or whatever. <clears throat> And then the ship lands on the planet, and it's just garbage because the Mon Calamari repaired it so poorly. And it won't even, the landing, the platform won't even open all the way. It's pretty funny. Open, right. Yeah. That's, that was pretty awesome. And they meet, you know, they say hello, and, and she says, uh, he goes, um, you got to see what we're doing now in the old place. And there's a freaking school. A, what a great scene. Yeah. That bit where Grogu's looking at the kid with the macarons. Because that's what right. they are. They're macarons, right? Yeah. Yes. And he's like, They're, um, no. Uh, apparently they... Go get your own. It reminded me of that scene in, in, in Napoleon Dynamite where he's like, Napoleon, give me some of your tots. <laughs> no, go get your own. That's what that reminded I, me of. I'm surprised that they didn't have like a daycare school because they put them right with with you know during the lecture part Roku's not going to sit through that they needed like a daycare section yeah now see this was the this is the classic uh little red schoolhouse you know Mm -hmm. little house of the prairie style where you know every kid in school was there you know Um, yeah i think you're right bill yeah i think this was the daycare you know (laughs) well this is this is just this is the schoolhouse you know they you know, this is the start, and uh, at some point they'll probably have a a, a mid high and a high school, and uh, you know, uh, pre K and, and all that. But they're not there yet. So instead, you've got uh, you've got the the cutest little uh, uh, Grogu ever 
uh, instead uh, stealing the macarons of uh, uh, the, the poor young child next to him. And he doesn't care either. Um, he's completely amoral. Uh, all he knows is he wants your macarons, and uh, he will not stop until he gets them. Uh, I think it's really interesting, too. They, uh, they, they said that uh, the, the macarons were blue on purpose. Why is that? that? Is a, uh, that's oh, it's a blue milk uh, Easter egg. Oh, okay. Oh, very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah. There, there's a uh, there's a macaroon place uh, in downtown Dallas. It's still open, believe it or not. But uh, they have macaroons that are like all colors, and that baby blue is one of the colors. Well, that these they are. Have. I'm sorry to get technical. I just learned this like <laughs> within the last few months because I haven't had anything T-I-L. to do but learn stuff. Uh, these are macarons and not macaroons. They're different. What? They're macarons. Oh, is that a, is, you is need that to a Star Wars that, thing? Sir. No, it's not a Star Wars thing. This is a human being thing. Oh, so tell me the difference real quick. Macarons versus macaroons. Yes. Macaron. Macarons and macaroons differ in their main ingredient, which for macarons is almond meal and macaroons is shredded coconut. Let me huh. show you. I'm going to share the screen. Oh. I'm going to share screen okay. with you. Okay. Now I'm getting <clears throat> nervous. This may crash the show. No. See that? Oh, hang on. It'll be totally worth it. There it is. Uh, uh-huh. Wow. See? That, the okay, one on the top, the pink one is a macaron. The one at the bottom yes. is a macaroon. Yeah. So the one that looks you like a what? little cookie I... sandwich, that's a macaron. Yep. Right. So, uh, so there's a macaron uh, store in Dallas yes, that's still go. open. Uh, you know what? I've been using those terms somewhat interchangeably. I have two, man. Uh, I have two, yeah. but I am here not only to entertain the listeners, but to also educate my friends. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Hey, that sharing screen thing really came this in handy. This totally worth it. I'm going to do it another did. sharing screen thing here in a minute when we talk about the next scene, which, is, which is awesome. Is that... They that leave. We're seeing the, the shot of a very silly looking Michael Palin. We're, we're seeing Brad's, uh, uh, his avatar right now. His video is not back up, everybody. So. Really? I stopped sharing Don't be my scared. screen. I, uh, I see you, Brad. Oh, <clears throat> I, shopped, I stopped sharing. I shopped staring. I okay. stopped sharing. Okay, no, so. I, I, I got it the first time. Um, so they leave the school and then they go back to their office, I guess. And they walk in, and we see the old, our old favorite Mithril, the blue guy who's portrayed by um, uh, Horatio Sands. This is the bounty that he caught in the very first episode of this entire series. Well, it turns out that Mithril works for Grief Karga, and uh, he stole some money from Grief Karga, and Mando caught him. And now he's working off his debt. And I'm going to share the screen again because I love what happens the first time Mithril looks up and sees the Mandalorian. So here we go. <gasps> I'm going to hit play. And go. Watch this. All in half hour waste. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this little thing that happens like this explosion of nervousness. I don't know how else to say it. It's a neck fart. Yeah, it's a neck fart. It's like, oh let's crap! Just, let's, just, let's just pull the curtain back. Yeah, that's funny. The explosion of nervousness uh, when he sees him was like really funny. It made me giggle super hard when I when I saw that the very first time. 
Yeah, nice, unexpected little gag. Yeah. <clears throat> I love this character. I think he's funny. And I've always loved Horatio Sands to begin with. But he, uh, His characterization of it is such an ordinary type guy. Yeah. Like, he's not heroic, but he's not a coward. But he just, like, you know, he just kind of wants to get through life. Yeah. <laughs> and, when he just... And, and when survive. He, he drives him out to the, the Imperial base, and he's like, all right, here we go. I'll be back. You guys ring me up. I'll come pick you up later. <laughs> and Grief, Grief Cargo's like, uh-uh, buddy. You're staying here. You're helping us. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty and awesome. When they, and when they ask him to uh, to turn, to uh, walk on that railing, or walk on that walkway the and platform. turn something off, he goes, there's no railing. You know, he, right. he makes these little complaints. I think that's, that any, I think that's any a callback to, to um, well, I don't know if it's a callback but it reminded me of a scene in the family guy <coughs> star wars special blue harvest <laughs> oh yeah when it cuts to those two guys uh in the black helmets working the super uh death star laser and and the ones complaining about all i wanted was a was a railing right here where we work <laughs> this is our workspace and there's no railing here it reminded me of that scene from that family guy special yeah, what is I think I think to? the excuse why there isn't an, a railing is that uh, management was afraid they'd lean on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You think it was supposed to make us think of that? You think that that was Bill? That was a... oh yes. Yeah, I, I have zero doubt. I'm I'm positive that was a very intentional callback. Yeah, and because because come on, I mean. Anybody with with multiple brain cells rubbed together has been has been wondering where a guardrail, just one guardrail, right. anywhere in the Star Wars universe. The when the the next guardrail that shows up in a Star Wars property will be the first. <laughs> and um, uh, while we're talking about firsts, uh, I should probably take a moment, Brad. If you want to uh, throw some some dramatic or sad music up or something uh, uh, briefly, uh, feel free. Otherwise, uh, I'll just launch into this. I have maintained for a long time. Thank that's, you. That's that, happy. That'll work. That's happy um, music. I have, I have maintained for a long time that the next thing Horatio Sands does that is funny will be the first. Oh, and here, you, I'm pulling the music and out. Here, I'm pulling the music Sunday, out. Sunday, February 7th, 2021 i bill the voice uh will go ahead and say that well horatio sands has ticked that off his ledger i i found uh his character to be uh thoroughly uh amusing uh from the neck fart i just i didn't know that it was horatio sands until after i'd watched the episode it's like this guy are you saying this, this is the first like funny things that horatio sands has ever done is that what you're saying in my opinion if we were in the same room yeah physically sitting around the same table i would yeah. lean over and smack you with the back huh. of my hand across your face okay. all right all right all right would that be before or after our viewing of uh, fight club I'll never watch Fight Club again. <laughs> anyway, so they go. All I'm saying is different strokes and different. Folks I know. Speak, I understand you know. that. I understand. I know. That. I know. I could say but lots of was, things that would make was, my everybody. Point is he was great. Yeah, he yeah. was great in this. Yeah. I, I was. Uh, I was so thrilled, and it was like, okay, Horatio, you've done it. 
uh, you're right, and uh, uh, everything's uh, everything's good in the world these days. Now, hopefully, you'll go back and watch some old skits on Saturday Night Live and and recognize the genius that was there all along. Okay, I'll uh, I'll wear my glasses next time I watch. There you go. <laughs> um, I'm skipping through the episode. They're snaking their way through the <clears throat> through the well, uh, deal, and then well, that's when they go ahead. It's kind of hilarious because at every turn, uh, as they're getting to the base, uh, they're dragging. What's what's uh, Sans's character's name? God, Mithril, I think. Darn it, Mithril. Okay, yeah. Um, at every stage, Mithril is completely unsure of whether or not he wants to accompany them or help them or whatever. And at every turn, uh, uh, grief. Uh, knocks off. Hey, you want another thirty years yeah. off your sentence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like at every turn, you know, poor Mithril is just, you know, it's just like, oh god, the shoulders slump. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, it's like he, he goes from he goes from all weight outside to you're lucky I brought this this small, you know, the small job welder. Right. Uh, to uh, now he's standing in the freaking corridor firing blasters off with him. You know the the poor kid, and of course they make him go do the 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 Obi Wan Kenobi thing where he has to get on the very thin railing without the guardrail right. and go halfway around right. it to well, activate the you know the MacGuffin. He's the uh, expendable one of the group, you know. Right, <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> if I was him, I'd be complaining at every turn just in the off chance that grief cargo would go, how about another 30 years? How about another 30 no, no. years? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it, it does seem like it was strategic. That's what I'm saying. I, I, uh, I, I don't give him uh, credit only for being a whiner. I think he was, uh, I think he was working it. <laughs> so yes, they so more props, uh, more props to Mithril. They finally stumble across that hologram recording of the doctor, uh, talking to Moff Gideon. And he mentions the M count. We need the donor again. And then they stumble across the, um, you know, they've seen the the clones. So, uh, do you think this is a story point that this show is going to abandon now that Moff Gideon is out of the picture and the child is gone? I mean, do you think we'll ever go back to this cloning thing? Well, I guess the question is, is this enough to kind of tie into the whole Snoke thing, because it does seem like, you know, it's all very interesting behind the scenes stuff. And, uh, you know, at Lucas, uh, film, um, talk about, you know, retconning the sequel trilogies is Kathleen Kennedy out and, you know, this and that. Um, and yet, uh, Favreau and Filoni, uh, they do seem like they are kind of, uh, kind of like Lucas explained to Midichlorians, they are going out of their way to tie in and try to make sense of stuff that we thought was uh, weird, bad decisions by the filmmakers in the sequel trilogy. You know, they are trying to tie that stuff together. Um, you know, the... You know, basically saying, yeah, Snoke could have been a clone because look, the Empire has been working on this stuff the whole time now. You know, we we've just established the Empire is working on cloning technology for at least the previous twenty five years or so. So you know, they, it's like Favreau and Filoni are trying to help out the sequel trilogy. They're trying to help you know validate the sequel trilogy, even as all this this you know this buzz is going on behind the scenes. So. <clears throat> You know, I don't know. I, I give him credit for uh, for trying. 
And I also give him credit for, uh, um, you know, having uh, giant pits of lava everywhere. That's always a nice touch. It's one of my favorite Star Wars things is giant pits of lava. What about the direction? Carl Weathers. I think he did a, an admirable job with this. You know, it, it's weird. As someone who is ostensibly a, a director for a living, I do television. I'm not a real director. <laughs> but um, uh, I, it's unusual that I find myself watching something like this and think, oh, well, that's clearly the, the style of blank. Or, you know, it, it's rare that I think to myself, that is exceptional directing or that is really awful directing. Sometimes I do. Um, but most of the time, it's fairly transparent to me, um, you know, the, the direction in a, in a show. And I guess that's probably a compliment, you know, anytime that, that something like that is transparent to the viewer, that they're not thinking about it means that it's doing its job, I suppose. So I'm looking uh, at his, his um, IMDb page Yeah. Uh, as far as his directing things go. He's directed yeah. um, several television episodes. Um, Interesting. He did a, an episode of uh, Hawaii Five O. He did one of. He did five episodes of Sheena, back in oh, two thousand one and two thousand two. What? He did three episodes of Eighteen Wheels of Justice. Mm, okay. He directed eight episodes of Silk Stalkings back in the late nineties. <laughs> wow! So he's directed you know a lot of TV stuff. And a couple of short films, apparently. <clears throat> so he's got some directing experience, and I think he did great on this on this episode. I think he did really good. Even the 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 escape, you know, where the speeder bikes are are following them, and, and then the the tie fighters come and, and are shooting and stuff. I, I, all that was done really well, I think. Uh, then again, we've seen that um, not. I was going to say something that made it sound like I was making an excuse for his less than director abilityness, but that's not the case. But I was going to say, you know, we've seen all of the, we've seen on this show, like all the, the group of directors, they all, they're always working together. They're always kind of hanging out together and playing off each other. So, um, I <coughs> was going to say maybe he got some ideas from others, but maybe he didn't, maybe this was all him. And I, I don't want to take any of that away from him. That, that was not my intention. No, and I, I did read, uh, I'm trying to find it here, and I'm, I'm failing so far, but I did read a, a think piece about this episode when it first aired about how Carl Weathers' uh, directing was uh, of a very kind of a classic style. And I wish I could explain it uh, more without finding that, uh, that ding-dong thing again. Um, the, God, I wish, the one I wish that, that hadn't just come to my head, um, and I would have found it before we started taping, but whatever. If you, if you go back, to, to watch it. One thing he does it, shot choice is he will, he shows a lot of, uh, establish and then carry through, uh, uh, on his shot choices to where usually these days, if someone says, Hey, I'm going to go over there. Boom. They cut to, to where they're at. Uh, right. Carl had a lot of like, I need to go over here, show them walking out, going, and then ending up in the place. There were several instances okay. uh, where that happened. It's not a bad thing. It, it, it's just an economy of, of how you tell the story. And of I course. think these days, um, you know, we're, we're so media savvy that, that you don't have to show those establishing kind of criteria. Well, he did, you know, you know uh, 
he might have had those types of shots, but they were they were always talking. They were always always dialogue and furthering, right. furthering yeah, yeah. more information and stuff. So yeah. I guess I and guess again, I'm saying, not I'm not knocking him. It's just it's right. in my opinion, it is an older way of directing. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is if Carl Weathers had well, directed uh, the heiress, then we we would have seen uh, little baby Grogu working his way into that uh, little corridor um, to deal with the red and blue wires, and you would have seen him, uh, you know, working his way back out as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you just said something that made me think. Well, he's an older guy, you know. We all have. Yeah. yeah. We all have. You know, I think about my editing style, the way I've been editing for, you know, 25 years or whatever. And then I think about the way my daughter is learning to edit in her classes and the way that, uh, you know, 20 and 30 somethings edit. It's different, you know. You know, we see a lot of, especially on like YouTube videos, we see a lot of jump cuts. You know, oh, yeah. and jump cut to me is a dirty word. It's a dirty word, you know, but that's my point is styles change. And but people are used to doing something the way they're doing. Like, for instance, look at the way that Frank combs his hair. Nobody would ever comb their hair like that these days. By the way, Frank, right. take off, take, uh, move, move the microphone out of, out of your, the way of your face for just a second. Bill, look at that. Doesn't that look? Doesn't he look right now like a like an older Tony Stark? Look at that. With that goat, oh, for sure. the gray goat he's got going on. Very few people have the gravitas to pull off uh, a look like uh, Frank does. Frank, so. You are a <laughs> handsome dude. Thank you very much. You're handsome welcome. I th- thank you very much. <clears throat> Even your, uh, your uh, headphones are kind of Iron Man red colored. Look at that. That's pretty yeah. awesome. It's not just a rugged handsomeness. It's all also a sartorial splendor. Yes. <laughs> which is really unmatched in, uh, in, in, in my circle of friends. So I salute you, Frank. Thank you. I want to get back to the back at the end of this episode when Mandalorian comes in, saves the day, shoots the TIE fighters out of the sky. Then we see Grief Karga sitting in his office, and we see a familiar X-Wing pilot quizzing him. Uh-huh. stuff that's um okay. i'm trying to find the guy's name captain carson i think played by paul sun hung lee we, this is he's one of the two um x-wing pilots along with dave filoni's character that that cleaned all the spiders off of the mandalorian right. ship and the on the ice planet you know he's tracking down uh he's trying to track down the mandalorian again he said something about a transponder and all that stuff so yeah then he talks to is- Go ahead. It is it is so cool to uh, uh, it is so cool to see uh, uh, the Razor Crest apparently back at full strength during that uh, that rescue scene too. Yeah. yeah, you get some some awesome uh, dog fighting at the end of this episode. Yeah, um, it just it 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 thrills me. Um, and it is funny uh, that you do get the uh, the the relative cheese of the. You get the reaction shot of Cara Dune and Grief Karga and uh, Mithril. All standing, you know, basically out on the the roof of of their headquarters, you know, cheering as they see the explosions up there. Oh in yeah, the sky. that's that's so totally eighties, you know, like eh, yeah, it that's, is. A, it's, it's, that's a Carl Weathers thing, you know. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's people very watching Karate Kid, or yeah, yeah. that's people yeah. watching 
the fight Rocky, uh, Creed and Apollo, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky, they're as fans in this, in the, you know, watching and, and cheering and stuff. That's what that shot was. You know, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's friggin' hilarious. Yeah. Um, they, now that he does redeem himself, the next reaction shot you see is baby Grogu who spits up a little bit. <laughs> as, uh, as, uh, um, you know, man. Oh yeah. The, uh, the razor crest, uh, through some pretty intense hygiene maneuvers. And apparently Grogu's loving it. He's like, yeah, he's holding his arms <laughs> up and it's like, he's on a roller coaster. Yes, it's yeah. it's very much like the uh, the, the great scene from um, uh, uh, the Incredibles, where it's like, do it again, do it again. You, you know, know they come into the crash landing. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to miss Grogu next season. I'm yeah. we're, we're we're too early in the se- series <laughs> uh, the season to really go do a deep dive into this, of, of course, but. I'm just going to say that uh, Grogu is not gone forever by any means. Oh, well, uh, I just I mean, don't know. I don't know how they're going to reincorporate him in the yeah. show because they have done an amazing job of seemingly shutting the the door on that chapter. You know, it'd be funny, uh, and we, we, but they, maybe. they're not going to cut their you know they're not going to cut themselves off the knees and and, yeah. and eliminate Grogu for the next. Uh, uh, you know. This would be funny, but it's uh, this actually is also a discussion that we should have at the end of the season, but it would be funny if Luke Skywalker showed up back in season three, episode one, and he walks right up to the Mandalorian and says, and hands him right back to him. He goes, I can't deal with this dude. You gotta take this guy back. He is too much for me. He won't listen to me. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I read his mind and all I can see is your face in his head. So he obviously, right. Yeah. That would be you funny. Know, I know we're not. And Luke's yet. hair is so like good. messed up, like he hasn't showered in three days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty funny. So how does this episode end? I'm look. I'm scanning through it. Uh oh yeah, we see um, this junior lieutenant person girl walk into a room with a bunch of dark troopers and Moff Gideon is watch looking at him and she he goes, Is the is the tracking beacon installed? And she said, Yeah and and then he looks at his robots and then this episode ends. Uh, we don't know if they're robots, no. do we? I mean we just know no, they're we dark don't know. troopers. Yeah. Well we don't even know that at this point. Yeah. We can just kind of see him looking at these dark shaded figures. And this is okay, this is what when I first saw this, when we got to this point in the series i was thinking okay these are there's people inside these machines this armor and these are the people even though i had just seen the clones floating in in the waters and all that stuff okay i thought these are the reason that he wants the blood from grogu because he's trying to super power these these dark troopers up which is obviously not the case, but at this point, that's that's where my brain was. That's where my brain went to. Yeah, huh. even though we had just seen the clones and heard the doctor talking about needing the blood and all that, it's like that didn't even sink in when I saw that. Maybe I'd looked at my phone at that one moment, but <laughs> as soon as we got here, I thought this is the big plan and this is why he needs the blood and there's people inside these things and he's going to super juicify give him force powers and all this stuff 
That's where my head went. And then, of course, you know, the next episode or two, we know that's yeah. not the case. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, we do find that. We, we found our answer a couple episodes later. Yeah. That's for sure. And these dark troopers ended up being pretty cool. Especially yeah. in the last episode. Anyway, all right. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it anything. I'm not gonna no. say a word. So, I think that pretty much does it for the uh, discussion of the siege. Next time we get together, we'll talk about episodes five and six, chapters thirteen and fourteen. Chapter thirteen is one of my personal favorites for obvious reasons. Yeah, How could it not be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. Before we close the episode, we uh, Frank wanted to mention that it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, or as the fellows, the folks in um, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. That's right. It's Superb Owl Day. <laughs> they're going. They're being invited. They were invited to a Superb Owl party. They get to meet the the Superb Owl, and that's pretty funny. If you haven't watched right. and, What We Do in the Shadows, the yeah, you should be. You should be watching what we do in the shadows. <clears throat> it's on Hulu. Um, Frank, you had something for uh, for us to do Super Bowl related, right? Right. So every year, uh, a buddy of mine puts out a. Uh, uh, usually, he would have a party, and we'd all fill out some forms, and then right when the game ended, he would take all those forms. You know, we all threw in ten, twenty bucks, and then whoever you know got more, most of the answers right won the pot. And in, in years past, it's been like 200, 300 bucks. So it's been a substantial amount. So uh, let's not do money among us, but let's kind of, uh, for pride, I'll ask five questions. And each of you will tell me, usually there's like, I think there's 20 questions on this. But we'll go with just these five to make it simple. And we'll each kind of answer. And then not next week, but the week after, we'll see who ends up winning. I love uh, this. Uh, this this Super Bowl uh, uh, challenge. So first question up, Hang on, and Brad, we'll start. I'll say I'll. I'm not going to make notes now. I'm going to go back. You know, during the editing of this episode, I'll make notes of all of our answers, so we can have a record of it. I'm actually doing that. As oh, we, then as you we do it, and it. I won't bother with it. <laughs> okay. I should have left it man. to you, Frank. Frank yeah. is. I don't know if you guys know this about Frank, but he's a gem. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm all shiny all right. and small. Uh, okay, so Brad, we'll start with you. Brad, who's going to win, Tampa Bay or Kansas City? Who do I think's going to win or who do I want to win? If you want to win this contest, who's going to win? Tampa Bay. TB, okay. Mm. Bill, how about you? I am going to say Kansas City. Kansas City. <clears throat> and I, Frank Rincon, am saying Kansas City. Uh, Brad, I understand why you're saying Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm not okay. so sure you now, do, next- but I would like to point out that it's more about seeing Tom Brady lose the Super Bowl <laughs> than it is about wanting the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, which I do. I feel like General Hux. You know, It's not yeah. that I want you guys to win. It's that I want Kylo Ren to lose. Yes. Ky- yes. Tom Brady is the Kylo Ren of – NFL football. 
I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I've been saying to people for the week, uh, uh, people I run into at work for the week leading up to the Super Bowl, that uh, Tom Brady doesn't need another dang ring. Mm-mm. So sit down. I uh, uh, I, I wanted to see uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Brady is that he's so good. And he's a cheater. Don't forget the <laughs> cheating part. I mean, I don't hate the guy. I just don't want him to win. <clears throat> All right, question two. Halftime winner. Who will be leading at halftime? Tampa Bay or Kansas City? Bill, we'll go with you. Ooh, halftime. Um, huh. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, I will say uh, uh, Tampa will be leading at halftime. Okay. I, by like but, a field goal, not by much. But they will be leading. I'm going to yeah. say the same thing. Tampa Bay will be leading at halftime. Brad? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Okay. Next question. First scoring play of the game. This is the first scoring game. Will it be a running TD, a pass TD, a field goal, or something unexpected? I'll go first. I'm going to say a field goal. A pass. Touchdown pass. Touchdown pass. Bill. Huh. I am also going to say a touchdown pass uh in a perfect world it's going to be a nice long touchdown pass we'll see uh next question uh this is similar last scoring play of the game will it be a uh, a run a pass a field goal or something else brad touchdown pass that's just td uh uh pass bill mm. The crystal ball says field goal, but it would be more exciting if it was a, uh, a touchdown. I'm going with Bill and saying field goal, too. It always seems to be a field goal. And finally, the tiebreaker. Let's do total sum of the game. Uh, this is without going over. So what do you think combined score, the final score of the of the game will be? And I'll go ahead and go first on this one. I'm going to say 14, 14, 28. I'm going to say 35 for me. And let's see, Bill. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. I will say uh, uh, 46. 46. And Brad. I didn't know math was going to be involved in this. <laughs> um, Without going over. Uh you don't even have to do multiples of seven either. You can, uh, you can, you know, you can <laughs> do twenty nine. Yeah, I know. And, and, Let's see, uh, uh, seven, forty nine, uh, fifty two points. Fifty two points. Fifty two. <laughs> I like it. Nice. Okay, so guys, being that we we record two per week, we won't have the answers for this until uh, until two weeks from today. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, uh, I I hope I win. <laughs> Whoever wins is the Super Bowl champion. Is the HHW Super Bowl champion? Okay. Uh, for this yeah, year, that's a great idea. <laughs> Boilerplate. Okay. Anything else? Just the boiler. Oh, play. sorry, guys. I can't stay. I've um, 
Foi a Vinnie Weidnick do A Superb Owl Party. Yeah, the Superb Owl Party. Yeah. <laughs> We have been invited to a superb owl party. <laughs> That's a great call to superb owl. I'm going to stress again, listeners, please, please watch what we do in the shadows on Hulu. It's based on a Taika Waititi film called What We Do in the Shadows that is not available on Hulu, but you don't necessarily need to see it. However, search it out. Do yourself a favor. Watch the TV show. It's hilarious. So there was supposed to be a sequel to that movie yeah. about the werewolves. Yeah. Do you remember the title, the working title for that? Yes. Werewolves. Werewolves. That's right. Werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> now we've seen, uh, to me, I that sounds like an idea just because of the name. Like we got to make a yep. sequel, but only because of this name is so great. Right. <laughs> now we've seen Taika Waititi wear a uh, uh, wear a werewolves like a director's jacket kind of thing, you really? know, like a crew jacket. Yeah, those that is out there somewhere. Um, I have no idea if that means that it's you know a thing or not, but jeez, um, that that would be uh, I I'll watch it. <laughs> so I still want the vampires to win. Yeah, someday we'll have what we do in the shadows episode. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that. There you go. All right, take uh, us out, Frank. All right, you've been listening to Half Hour Wasted, proud member of the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail dot com, and follow us on Twitter at Half Hour Wasted. Leave us or any of the other HHW LOD shows a voicemail at four six nine two nine eight. 9739, or an easy way to remember that is GOAX Type 9. Until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. I'm Bill. And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. <laughs>